The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and bloom like the crocus. It shall bloom abundantly. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And no lion shall be found there. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of God shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 35 is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's so good to be home again. I had a wonderful vacation with my spouse, Greg, and getting to travel is one of the joys of vacation time. Of course, this time we couldn't drive too far away, and it was a little bittersweet because our original vacation plans to fly to the West Coast for a family wedding had to be canceled. Along with so many others, our family has had to postpone their wedding until next summer. The opportunity to travel brings so much joy, and I love to reminisce about previous trips. Earlier this week, I was remembering about a trip I took to Mexico just last year. I flew down to meet up with my sister for a few days. She had been there already, and uh, she asked me to give her about 10-minute notice before I was going to arrive so that she could be back to our Airbnb to greet me. So I had to take a bus from the airport, and then I had to take a cab from the bus station. When I got into the cab, I sent her a text message. I wrote, I'm about 10 minutes away. And then for the next two and a half days, my sister's phone would ping with that same message from me. I'm about 10 minutes away. We'd be sitting together at a meal. Ping! I'm about 10 minutes away. We'd be walking along the beach. Ping! I'm about 10 minutes away. One night, as we were falling asleep and I saw her phone light up, I said, Hey, am I still 10 minutes away? And she replied, When I give the eulogy at your funeral, I'm just going to tell everyone not to worry. Sarah's only 10 minutes away. (laughs) We laughed until we were crying about that absurd message that kept repeating itself over and over again. I don't know what fluke of technology caused my phone to keep sending it or her phone to keep receiving it. But either way, there I was already there, and she kept getting the message that I was just 10 minutes away. In so many ways in my life, I think it's true that I'm present and I'm also just 10 minutes away. Now, sometimes that can be true when we're in a place physically, but our mind has wandered. 
but I think more often for me. It's because I feel spiritually 10 minutes away from where I think God wants me to be. John Wesley wrote about the way that grace works in our life. He used a couple of different words to describe how grace works. One of them was justifying grace. He described this grace as the way that God decides in an instant that we are redeemed for our sins. We are justified in God's eyes, forgiven and free. And then John Wesley spoke about the sanctifying grace, the grace that continues to work in us after our experience of justification. Sanctification works for the rest of our lives. It is working to heal our sin-sick souls, to help us become holy people. For me, it's that sense of being present to God's grace, of being justified, and still being 10 minutes away from the kingdom of God, of being fully sanctified, of being holy. Sometimes I am so aware of this tension. I see God's grace at work in my life, and my heart breaks for the brokenness of this world and for the places where I feel stuck in my pursuit of holiness. It's this already but not yet tension. Already God has redeemed us, and we are not yet fully sanctified made holy. In my life, I feel that as an individual, but I also see that in this world. Already God has come, but not yet do we know the fullness of God's kingdom. God is making all things new, and yet people are going hungry. People are anxious about eviction, panicked over pandemic, looking for hope and relief from this feeling of exile from our normal lives. God's kingdom is here, and there is incredible brokenness that surrounds us. We see this brokenness in the systemic oppression of marginalized people, the pervasiveness of the sin of racism, and the abuse of our roles as stewards of God's creation. How can we be fully present to God's grace in this world when it feels like we are much more than 10 minutes away from God's kingdom? We look for a word of hope from the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 35 takes us to a desolate valley in the midst of a desert. We are heading back to that time in history that we heard about earlier this summer. That same exile that the prophet Ezekiel spoke about when we encountered dry bones finding new life. But today, in this exile, Isaiah is speaking about a desert blooming. A desert with streams bursting forth from dry land and joyful singing resounding from the earth. The people who Isaiah prophesied to were standing at a crossroads in time. They were in the midst of exile. They were standing between the past faithfulness of God 
and the future faithfulness of God's deliverance from exile. These were the people who grew up hearing generation after generation proclaim God's faithfulness because of the way that God led them through the wilderness in the Exodus. That was the process of leaving slavery and oppression to find liberation and freedom in the promised land. And it was a journey filled with struggle. Over 40 years traveling through the wilderness, God was faithful to them. And the story of Exodus and God's faithfulness to their ancestors sustained generation after generation of God's people. And now these are the ones who found themselves in exile, no longer in the promised land, hearing that story told again and telling that story to others, remembering God's faithfulness, how God had been present and steadfast and loving. And now they were in exile from that promised land. They were hurting. They were looking ahead for deliverance from that same God who had been so faithful. And the prophet Isaiah speaks to the journey ahead. He returns again to the image of a wilderness journey. And yet in this new wilderness ahead of them, God promises a holy highway through it. The brokenness of this world will be made whole again. That is the proclamation that Isaiah is giving to them. We will not always be in exile, but the world will be healed. God's shalom will be restored to creation. After years of exile and captivity, this is the message of hope that those people longed for. And I think it's the message of hope some of us are longing for today. Now, typically in the church year, we hear this scripture read during Advent. It's the time of year where we are preparing for Christmas. The four weeks that precede Christmas is a time of preparation. And it also brings up that tension of already, but not yet. Jesus has already been born long ago, and yet we wait till Christmas Eve to celebrate his birth. Jesus has already redeemed all of creation by his teaching and life and death and resurrection. But the kingdom of God is not experienced in full in this broken world until Christ comes in final victory. Advent is like living in the wilderness between what was and what will be. Living in the tension of already, but not yet. Remembering God's past faithfulness and looking ahead to God's future redemption. There's a professor from Candler School of Theology. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his name, so I apologize if I mispronounce it. But Professor Erskine wrote, The good news at Advent is that God has not taken off on a retreat, but that the God who cares for the dry and barren places cares for each and all of us. God shows up even in the desert and barren places of life to await us in renewal, restoration, and salvation. 
The God who cares for the earth also cares for us. Offering change not only for the wild and barren places, but also for those who are faint in heart and weak at the knees. We can take heart because of the pieces of our lives that feel broken and dry. They will be made whole. They will be renewed just as the crocus blossoms in the wilderness and water springs forth in the desert. And yet the ones who heard Isaiah say this were sitting at that crossroads of the past and the future. In the same way, I think many of us feel like we're at a crossroads. Some of it is the way that God has been faithful to us in the past and the way God will continue to be faithful to us. And some of it is about the way the world is changing right now with the pandemic. But we can see that the world is not as God would have it. It's not just about the pandemic. It is also about the violence and war that is around the globe, the famine and hunger that continues day to day, the displacement and homelessness experienced in our community today. There is pain and suffering in this world that is real. And how can it be that a God who promises a holy highway through the wilderness is going to do that when it seems like there's no end in sight for the pain and suffering of this world. There is no clear timeline for when this pandemic will abate. We don't know what will happen to the many people out of work right now, the ones anxious about eviction, or the ones wondering what school will be like this fall. How can we possibly expect for there to be deserts, filled with flowers and streams and jubilant singing. That passage may have seemed laughable to the original hearers that God would bring a garden into a desert. We might also think it's just as impossible for that to happen today. In the midst of a world that feels so much like a, dare, a barren desert, I imagine that some of us are thinking, how long must we wait on God to bring forth those streams in the desert, the water in the wilderness that we need so much? How long until that day that the prophet Amos spoke about when he described justice rolling down like waters and righteousness like an ever-living stream? It is standing here with the prophets ringing in my ear that that day will come. And I am reminded that until that day, we, as followers of Christ, are called to be God's instruments of justice and mercy in this wilderness world. That was the message that Jesus embodied and preached during his own life. Until Christ returns in final victory, and we witness that world that the prophets prophesied about, we, as the hands and feet of Christ, we are the ones who water the crocus in the desert to help them bloom. We are the ones who pay attention and help those marginalized and forgotten by the powers and principalities of this world. We are the ones who not only witness, but we nurture all of the life in the desert. 
just as a saguaro cactus retains water to bloom there in the desert where it is planted. It has water inside of itself, not just for its own benefit, but for the benefit of the creatures who call it home, for the other plants nearby, and for the birds who make nests in its arms. How can we be like that? How can we allow our lives to be filled with the living water that Jesus has promised us? Not just so that we are filled with water, but so that we can bring that water and life to the desert places of this world. How can we allow ourselves to be so filled with the joy and the love that Christ has given to us? that we burst forth with joy and share it with all we meet. There are practical ways that people are living into this. I'm reminded of the work of Christians along the border who leave water in the desert for those who may be crossing the border. One jug at a time in God's name, they are making streams spring forth in the desert. I'm reminded of the young adults who dedicate their post-college years to service through a program like Teach for America or AmeriCorps, helping to cultivate wholeness in places in our country and our world that desperately need it. I'm reminded of our ongoing support for UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief. They're an organization who helps when there's a hurricane or a tornado or a flood. Our gifts of flood buckets and our other gifts of health kits are there, ready to help bring hope in the midst of a desert. I'm also reminded of our little back porch bodega that happens here at Central UMC every Friday morning. Bag lunches, canned goods, and face masks are shared with our neighbors. In this time, when life may feel especially hard, when you may be so aware of the brokenness of this world, where do you feel your heartbreak the most? Allow that broken heart to be your invitation from God to take some living water to that part of the desert wilderness and see what new life God may bring forth. All of the work that is done to bring hope to hopeless places, water to the desert, blossoms to the wilderness, is so that we nurture God's kingdom here on earth until the day that God returns. I'm reminded of those nurse plants that help the cactus grow. Maybe it's not dramatic, maybe it's not exciting, but the work that they do to provide shade for 10 to 12 years for that saguaro cactus to grow, that's vital work. In the same way, God can use us. We can nurture someone else. 
we can provide shade and water and we can provide the help and the prayers and the love and the assistance that others may need. Wherever they are hurting, God can use who we are and all that we bring so that until the day God does return, until the day that the promises of Isaiah and those other prophets are fulfilled, until the day that all creation sings of God's goodness, we will see creation being recreated. We will see streams in the desert. We will see the desert blossoming because God has called us to nurture. God has called us to share living waters. Because God wants to use you and God wants to use me to be fully present to God's kingdom right here and right now. Friends, how can God bring living water to you and invite you to share this living water with others this week? Thanks be to God that this water is not just for us, but it is for a thirsty world. Amen.